couple of things that I want to mention. First, you can turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. And while you're turning there, of course, I have on the orange and blue tie. I've received all kinds of comments. One person said, I can't believe you're still wearing an orange and blue tie, assuming I'm an Auburn fan, I guess. And I said, well, you know, God still makes orange and blue. And uh, Mark's Nicholson, it's bad times for him right now. But uh, I do want to say, too, we've got some special guests that I do want to acknowledge uh, in the vein of, of athletics. I'm a University of South Alabama softball fan this morning because we've got three other softball players that's joined us today. Y'all stick your hands up. And uh, now those are real athletes, unlike most of us who think we would like to be. So let's give them a hand. Thank you all uh, for coming. I was at last, last Monday night, Dennis Hayford, who's our FCA local most of you, uh, uh, director, most of you know Dennis. Uh, invited me to come and speak to the athletes out at South. And uh, he's got 40 or 50 athletes meet every Monday night. It was a great, great thing, the work that he's doing there. And uh, so I had the privilege of meeting these three and some others. And uh, God blessed in a, in a great way on Wednesday night. Now, next Sunday is the Sunday prior to the election. So uh, if the Lord allows, what I'm thinking is I'm going to preach a message. I don't know the title of it, but it's going to certainly be in the vein of our nation and the election. And, um, and so I encourage you to come next Sunday, and, uh, and we're going to certainly lift up our nation in praying uh, for God to have his way and will throughout this land and for us to know the Lord and lift him up from every corner to every town of this great nation that God has given to us. And so that's our prayer. Now, today... I'm going to give probably one of the most simple messages I've ever given. And I felt like the Lord laid this on my heart Wednesday night. And, um, but it's so simple, I kind of debated with that for days now. For the rest of the week, I'm like, Lord, that's so simple. I mean, you know. But sometimes the most foundational parts of our lives are the most simple things in our lives. And so, this is going to be an extremely simple message, but it also, I believe, is absolutely foundational and fundamental to every single one of us um, this morning. In 1 John, we see the word love, or love one another, 21 times. And that's in that one book. Of course, you go throughout the scriptures, we see God talking about love or us being told to love one another or how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we see all of this consistency, a consistent message of love throughout the scripture. But Wednesday night with Mark Tidwell, and by the way, that's the highest number of attendance we've ever had on a Wednesday night at Luke 4.18. So... For all that came, thank you so much for being there. It's fantastic. But Mark Tidwell, who was our guest speaker, I heard him four times on Wednesday at different venues. And maybe it took four times for me to finally get it. But he kept saying the word intentional. Being intentional in our life. So here's a guy with stage four cancer who should have been dead a long time ago, months and months ago. 
And what the Lord's shown him in and through his five surgeries and now being inoperable and all of the treatments he's had and God using him all over the place to minister to people is being intentional about everything that you do. And it made me think, how intentional am I? How, am I, how intentional am I in how I spend my money? How am I intentional in how I do my job? How am I intentional in preparing ministry students at the University of Mobile for the, for, for the final day? And we do a lot of that, and you do the same thing in your, in your family or in your work or with your financial side of life or with your relationships. All of us do things intentionally, but I'm not talking about ordinary intentionality. I'm talking about how intentional are we with everything that God gives us. Every single thing that he provides, every relationship, every encounter at a grocery store, every encounter at a gas station, every dollar he puts into our pocket. How intentional are we with everything that God's given to us? And then I began to think, what is the greatest gift that God gives to us? What's the great commandment? Jesus teaches us in Matthew 22 that the great commandment is to what? Love God and love one another. So if the greatest gift and the greatest commandment is love, then I began to think, okay, if, Lord, you're the source of love, you demonstrate your love for us through Christ, and you call us to love one another, then I have to ask the question, how intentional am I about loving people? It's easy to love my mom and dad. I'm blessed to have that kind of, those kind of parents. It's easy to love my wife. I'm blessed to have that kind of marriage. It's easy to love my best friends. But how intentional am I in loving people I don't know? How intentional am I in figuring out how to love people across the globe that I don't know? How intentional am I in really showing Pam my love or my parents my love or my brother and sister-in-law my love or my niece my love? How intentional am I in that? So today's message is this. How intentional are you in loving people because love is the greatest of gifts? Or maybe even not asking how intentional we each are, but instead asking the question, when we leave this place today, 45 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever from now, how can we be more intentional in loving people, considering that's God's greatest commandment to us? See where I'm going with this? So look at 1 John. The book that gives the term 21 times for us to love one another, something in that resemblance. But if you look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, there's some simple truths that we can take a look at. And he says it in two different ways at two different times in the book of 1 John, but it has the same theme throughout. In verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is, what? Of 
God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Four words, it's key. For God is what? Love. So the source of love, the origin of love. Now think about this. All of us have people that we love. I pray and hope, but you know that there's someone who loves you, right? The greatest love that you have for someone or someone has for you does not occur apart from God. God is the very core, the very root, the very source, the origin of everything that is love is God. So when you love someone else or when you fall in love with someone else or you say I love you to your children when they go off to school or you say I love you to a parent or whatever the case may be, do you recognize and realize that is impossible if it's not for God? And that's the kind of God that we have. The origin of love, the greatest of gifts, is love. It comes from God. And that's how come we see good and evil in the planet. I was with a a man who was over security for all of southern Iraq and Kuwait back during the first Gulf War. And so think about that. He was the the one in charge of security, the third bottom of Iraq. He was there when they got, he wasn't presently there, but he was in Iraq when they, when our country caught Saddam Hussein, when they went and and killed uh, uh, Uday and, what was the other one's name, Kursay or something like that? The sons of Saddam Hussein. And he said that when he got in there, it was an amazing thing to see the amount of money that they had accumulated. And when they didn't like a certain city or town or neighborhood, they would just turn off the water or turn off the power until they came to terms. And he said one of the most influential hurtful things that he dealt with was going in northern Iraq when they had to go in and they discovered these mass graves and where they would just dig a hole and come with, with uh, uh, equipment and bulldozers and bulldoze live people, mothers and children, into a hole and cover them with dirt. He said Uday was so evil that what he found out while he was there is that this man would go out and he would see a woman that he was attracted to, would bring her in, would rape her, and then he had pet tigers, and he would feed the women to the tigers. That's evil. He said when our team investigated these people, and one man in particular that was in charge over there, that... um, I, think, I don't remember his name. But anyway, he said, our official came back and said, that's the most vile, evil thing, person I've ever dealt with, I've ever talked to. Well, that's the definition of what? Of Satan, if there's ever one. Demonic, hateful, vile. It's a picture of hell. But then over here you have a God, yes, who judge, and it's the final judge. A God who, yes, is the creator, and yes, he's the healer, and yes, he's 
our Savior, and all of those things. But listen, the very core of God's relationship with me and with you is His love for us. That's why I think Jesus comes back and says, listen, the great commandment is to love God and to love one another because he understands that you remove love, all the other things are in vain. But if you put love in the mix, it changes everything. So God is the very source of love. You can't love someone else today unless God loves that person through you. He places love deep in every human's heart. Some people don't know what to do with that, and they become evil like those individuals in Iraq or Hitler or any number of people that we could name. But for me and you sitting in this place today, we have to understand that love comes from God. There it is. God is love. Now, look at verse 9. In this The love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You see that? That we might live through him. The only way to have life is through Christ. And the only way to have life that is truly abundant in living is when we understand the manifestation that God gave his Son to us. So while the source of love is God, the demonstration or the manifestation of love is Him sending His Son to die for us. Now, Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. But it actually says that He shows His love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the principle that we have to understand. Now, this is simple, but get it. If God is love, and God demonstrates how to love by giving his son to us, and then he goes on, and we'll see this in a moment, and he calls us to love one another, the point is this. Love includes sacrifice. You can give, for instance, I'm not talking about financially, I'm talking about in life, just giving everything you've got. You can give without loving, but it's impossible to love without giving. Giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your words, giving of your hands, You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Every time, and God demonstrates it to us through the sacrifice of Christ, that love includes a sacrifice of some kind. Which means for us, in order for us to demonstrate our love for one another, we must give of our time and efforts and energies and and what we desire to someone else in order to show that we love them. Now, that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Until it becomes a reality. That's a part of dying to self and living for Christ. How do we love each other by what we do? How do we demonstrate our love for one another? How is our love manifested to someone else? And in the world that we live in, that's a take-everything world, 
live-for-self world. God still calls us to be the opposite. And it's not what we can take, it's what we can give. It's not what someone can do for us, it's what we can do for someone else. It's how can God demonstrate his love to someone else intentionally through us. And it comes by some sort of sacrifice. Now, the source of love is God. The demonstration of love is sacrifice. The third part of this is, we'll start and look at verse 9 again. In this love of the God, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So the idea is, God is source of love. God demonstrates his love through a sacrifice. God loves people through what? Us. The conduit, if you will, of love between God and us, or a person, is you. If God wants to love someone, if, look, let's put it in family terms. If, no, this is tough, y'all, because when you're married, you know each other's faults and failures and ugliness and vileness and anger and attitudes, right? But our very first place that we love is with our spouse. So, for instance, if you're married, think this. Boy, I tell you, I struggle with it. This is hard to do. doesn't matter how much I love Pam. This is still hard to do. How can I, I have to ask my, myself, how can God, well, God loves Pam. God's the source of love, and he's placed it in me, and he's given me love for her, and he wants to love her. How can I love, show the love of God, or how can God love Pam through me? in our marriage. See that? If God loves her, how can he love her through me? Well, that's convicting. So not just, hey, I love you. Not just, hey, I love you enough to marry you. Not just, I love you and whatever, or words on the page. It's more than me cognitively thinking, and I love Pam, or in my heart I love her, or I ought to buy her a flower every once in a while, or try to get her something every once in a while, or do something for her once in a while. No, 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 no. How can I have the Creator God love Pam Savage through Joe Savage? How can God love her through me? It's the same with your children. If you have children or your grandchildren, if he is the source, he's the very... That he's where the, the well of love, and he loves your grandchildren or your children. And how does God show if he's the source of love, and here's your grandchildren or your children, how can he use you in that process to show not your love, but God's love to them? And you see, here's where I'm going that I learned Wednesday from Mark Tidwell is this. Naturally, some of that happens. 
But sometimes, how can we, if this is God and here's who I want to love and I'm in the middle, how can I intentionally love this person and allowing God to love through me to this person? Does this make sense? In other words, I have to have an awareness that God is the one who loves and I can't love someone else unless he loves them through me. And he demonstrated how to love by sacrificing his son. So how can God love through me to this person? I have to have some kind of a way of where I sacrifice something for this person. It could be a moment of time. Once a minute is spent, you can't get it back, can you? Ever, no matter what. Once you give an hour, you can't get it back, no matter what. It might be that moment in time. Like, for instance, this is what made me think with Mark Tidwell. His brother told me that the doctors told him he has a month to two months to live. Now, he's defied odds for quite a while now, so that really doesn't mean anything to him, but... It made me think how blessed we were and I was individually to get to spend the day with this guy who's so humble and loves the Lord and God is using in such a great way right now. That if he's got 30 days left, he allowed me to spend eight hours with this guy. He sacrificed time with his family because of his love for us and his love for God. He sacrificed a moment in time. Friday, I got the call Friday afternoon that Brother Fred was back in the hospital. I was on the way home. I had had a dinner scheduled for some students, and we had canceled that dinner. And I'm leaving University of Mobile at 6.30, and I got Martin's phone call, and I said, you know what, I better run to the hospital and go see Brother Fred. So I went in, and I sat there and walked in, and Jerry Carl was there, for instance. Jerry's full of life and serving Brother Fred and helping Brother Fred and doing everything he could do for him. Doctors coming in and nurses coming in. Finally, we left together about nine 9.15. I said, Jerry, how long have you been over here today? He said, 12 hours. That's love. And it made me think when I got home, here's a guy running for political office in a week and a half who should be out politicking and shaking hands and making sure he gets votes. And yes, he's probably going to win. It's a shoe-in. But I started thinking, here's a guy... And nobody even knows this, and nobody sees this, but here's a guy who just spent 12 hours serving Brother Fred a week and a half before his election. Most politicians I know would have said, Brother Fred, I love you, but I, I need to go take care of this, or go take care of that, or I got this to do, or these people to see, or these people to hobnob with. Instead, he was carrying around helping Brother Fred in every kind of way in the hospital for 12 hours. I got in my car, I'm like, that's unbelievable to me. That's a sacrifice of time to love someone else. 
Y'all begin to think about this church. Mark Tillwell showed up. You'd never laid eyes on him Wednesday night. What you didn't know, I, I gave reference that he has a lot of medical bills. But last week was $150,000 in medical bills uninsured. And we turned around, we we're going to give him a check for $200 for coming to speak. It's pretty normal. Well, I'm sitting there with a ho- at the hospital bed, and Brother Fred goes, Hey, I heard you, uh, you paid Mark 200 I said, Yes, sir. He said, I heard you put a little basket out by the door, and everybody gave. I said, They did. He said, well, He goes, I heard they gave $1,800. I said, they did. He said, boy, we've got a church that loves each other, don't they? I said, yes, sir, we do. It's incredible. Why do we do that? Why did you give that kind of cash? An economy that's bad. Some of you don't even... Some of you make a lot of money, some of you don't make that much money, but it's not about how much you have or don't have, it's what you give. Some of you sacrificed Wednesday night to help this guy, to help his ministry. I started thinking about last week, too, I was at the missions committee meetings, the first time I, first one of those I, I went to and I learned a lot. You know, you'd realize when we pass the offering plate every Sunday, of everything that goes in that plate goes to the mission field. That starts adding up. And I looked at what all the ministries were during that missions meeting. In real life, and having been one that the church had helped and sponsored in the past, I I know how much every dollar matters when you're on the field. And I began to look and think about, you know what, today we're ministering to refugees in Greece because of your giving. This morning we have three girls from the South Alabama softball team because we support Dennis Hayford, and he's doing that work amongst athletes at South Alabama. We have Mission of Hope come into these doors, what, periodically, and because we support them, and many of you go out there and help them to help those struggling against drug and alcohol abuse. You don't have to do that, but you choose to do it. Women's Resource Center, right here in Mobile, girls get pregnant, or young women, or even sometimes older women get pregnant, and they don't know what to do, and they find themselves at Women's Resource Center thinking about having an abortion, and the group that we're able to sponsor and support turns around and counsels with them and talks with them and gives them a hope, gives them a future, and this city has way less abortions now because of the Women's Resource Center. You're a part of that. I sat there with the missions committee this week and it was presented of, of, of pastors that's been trained in South Vietnam who are going across South Vietnam to start house churches. 
And God's greatly moving throughout South Vietnam right now. And I sat there intentionally not saying much, listening to this group of people that's in our church talk about what, how to help these people, these pastors in South Vietnam. And then they come to a conclusion and after talking and praying, they say, you know what, let's help some of them. So, th- so whenever the check gets there, we're helping a number of pastors go start churches throughout South Vietnam. This group David's taken to New York will support in helping our teenagers and college students go to New York to work among immigrants and internationals. You're choosing to do that. It's a part of who we are as a church. And that is God's love through us. It's through you giving of your time and giving of your money and giving of your talent or giving of sacrifice or whatever it may be. It's what a great place that we have. And I'm not just saying that. I really mean that. I showed someone our budget numbers for missions this week and they looked at it and they shook their head. They said, I've never seen a church do this in my life. The number of people being helped I mean, coming up next week or the next couple of weeks, we'll do 100 shoeboxes to, to, to trouble kids through Samaritan's Perks and Operation Shoebox all over the world. Then, not to mention Light of the Village, the most, the most violent, crime-ridden neighborhood in Mobile, and to have some of our women go over there and serve these people, and, and primarily white women going into this predominant black African-American neighborhood that's crime-ridden, and they walk in there and serve, and they're doing a thousand Thanksgiving meals coming up at Thanksgiving. And we'll give and be a part of that. Y'all, that's, what, that's God loving through you. That's what that is. Flip with me to 1 John chapter 3. I want to show you the same principle. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love. Okay, how do we know love, Lord? Tell me, how do we know what love is? There it is. Because he laid down his life for us. That's how we know what love is. He's the source of love. He demonstrates love, manifests love by laying down the life of Christ. And he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Lay down our lives for one another, in other words. Now look at verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, if you know there's needs around and you don't help meet those needs, the love of God's not in you. But I thank the Lord for Luke 418 fellowship, and we're not perfect. I'm not saying we are but who is being intentional about saying, we see some needs. And we're going to try to help do something about it. That's being intentional, but I do think, you know, Paul was with, speaks to the church in 1 Thessalonians. He says, your love has been known, your love has been manifested, and he goes on, he goes, but love one another, let your love increase more and more. 
God's doing some great things in our midst, but He can love intentionally more through us. Our love for Mobile. In fact, Brother Fred and I have discussed this of creating a theme as we move into the new building of Luke 418 Fellowship Loves Mobile. That's it. How simple is that? And then we begin to show and we begin to demonstrate our love for for the city. We begin to to demonstrate our love for other people. Now, here's something that's unique in Romans 5.8. God's love for us demonstrates to us, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love for each one of us was demonstrated while we were a sinner. Now follow this. It's a simple thought, but it's deep. That means this. You don't love when someone loves you back. And you don't wait for them to get become a certain way before we love them. If we're to be like Christ, while they are still sinners, we die of self for them. We sacrifice ourselves for the love of someone else while they're sinners. How can we do that intentionally? For our young people, how can we love, how can God love through you to those you go to school with? sacrifice we give up something that's how we do that five ways of showing your love this is an old book y'all know it many of you've read it it's called love languages but listen here's how you've got to show your love for your children or your grandchildren within your family and then this is how you show it outside okay People respond to love one of five ways, but not all of the ways. One is this, physical touch. That's why it's important to pat someone on the back, to give them a hug. That's why it's important with your family to show and demonstrate love. Some people will receive love because of your touch. Others Understand love through encouraging words. That's why it's important to lift up someone, to encourage someone, to speak into someone's life. And it's little things. And I'm not talking about just even within your family. I'm talking about out in society. Encouraging words. I don't remember if I've told this or not. I had a group of students in Montgomery at a conference and. They were all having to pay for their own rooms, but I went in to, to, to get it set up, and I walked in, and it was a, a, a black lady working there, and her, she had long fingernails, and they were all painted up real pretty. I don't know how she did it. It was amazing. But obviously, if she spent that kind of time and probably money, her fingertips were, her fingers were important to her, right? So I'm standing there, and I said to her as we're checking in, I'm like, how in the world did you do your fingernails like that? That's pretty neat. And she stopped, and she smiled real big. 
She's like, you like that? And I was like, yeah, I do. How in the world do you do that? And she's told me what they do and how they paint her, how she does her fingernails. I said, well, they're pretty. They look nice. And she looked at me and smiled real big. And I turned around. I was like, you think they might look good on me? And she laughed again. And she turned around. And I was like, well, they're really nice. I know that you're proud to have your, you know, that done or whatever. And she smiled. And she said, you know what? She said, I'm going to give you $20 off per room. <laughs> Times five rooms is 100 bucks. When I walked out to the students in the cars or in the vans, they were elated because I just saved them a lot of money. You know what? Here's a truthful statement. When you love, it comes back to you. For God so loved the world, He gives His only Son. For believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He shows us our, His love for us while we're sinners, and then we respond back to Him. And we respond, sometimes we respond because we need something from Him. Let's be honest. But true mature faith is we respond because we love Him back. Friday night at the hospital, sitting there with Brother Fred, I saw something that was incredible. Nurse comes in. She, the shift had just changed, and the nurse came in, and she says, well, I'm going to be taking care of you tonight or whatever. And Brother Fred starts to encourage her, ask her a bunch of questions. She's getting ready to walk out, and he says, hey, do you mind if I pray for both of us tonight? She said, no, that's fine. She stood there, and he began to pray, and he prayed for her. and Thank God for her willingness to serve and help people, and prayed for her and prayed for her family and prayed for her work and prayed for everybody on the floor of the hospital that night and prayed, of course, for himself and, and just gave the whole night to God. In Jesus' name, amen. And she turned around and smiled, and she goes, I'll be back. And I'm thinking, you know what? She just committed her whole night to that man because he prayed for her. About that time, a man comes in to take his blood pressure. And I tell you the truth, he walked in and he said this. And this is why that building that we're building is important. This is what I want you to understand. He walks in and he says, Brother Fred, it is an honor to walk into this room. He said, I saw your name and I'm like, is that going to be him? And it's you. He said, because of you, I got saved. Brother Fred smiled. Now here's the man, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, all of this. And he's got a good, good diagnosis, but nobody wants to be in the hospital. Are you with me? And he says, he looks, he goes, now who are you? Tell me your name. He said, my name's Haji. He said, 24 years ago, it was on a Sunday night. He goes, I've been coming to church with a friend for two months at Cottachill Baptist Church. It was a Sunday night. He goes, I had been doing drugs and all in my past. And I got in there. He goes, and you gave that invitation. And I could not sit down. And I kept standing there. He goes, and I walked down front and you led me to the Lord 24 years ago. Put that in the grand scheme of things. He said, after I prayed, I left. He goes, I've never had a high like that in my life, a spiritual high all the way home. He said, the next morning, everything in life had more color to it. Brother Fred's laid up in the hospital. He goes, glory to God. (laughs) 
I looked over at Jerry, and Jerry looked at me. And I'm like, you know what? The Lord just showed Brother Fred that his ministry continues, whether he's in the hospital or not. 24 years ago. It's an amazing story. Now, we're in this building campaign. You know what that, why that's important? And we haven't placed much emphasis on it. We just let, you know, every, every 50 days, 40 days, we take up an offering. Today's one of those days. You know why that's important? We give because it's a place for us to gather to worship God. We give because it's a place for children and, and teenagers to learn about God. We give because it's a place where families will come together surrounded in the presence of God. We give because of, of the Word of God being taught and going forth. We give because it's a place of answered prayer where people can pray for one another and, and, and pray at altars like this. That's why we give. We give because of people like Haji who will come down and get saved and walk out and say, I've never had a high life that in my life and say the world had better color in my life and 24 years from now will walk in somebody's room and say, praise God I got saved at that church called Luke 418 Fellowship on Solly Road. That's why we give. That's why it's important for us to not just coast along right now, but for us to press on, for us not to sit back and relax, but us to move forward because love takes sacrifice. And we love Mobile. We love the lost. We love people who are hurting. We love people like Haji who's, who was on dope but now is not. We love people who are homebound. We love people who are black and Chinese in Asia and over in Vietnam and in Russia and in Canada and in Ohio and in New York. We love of people. That's why we love, we love God. That's where God loves through us. And that's why we serve other people. It will take sacrifice and it will take intentionality. And in the world, listen to these numbers. For the first time ever in American society, only 48% of the nation is declaring to be Protestant. It's never been before. Only 34% of those under 30 are professing a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's never been before. 80% of those who receive Christ do so before their 16th birthday. That's why we have to be intentional. And y'all, I know and I know and I know, and this is not a condemning or convicting statement, it's a factual statement. Many of you who are older are helping build that building, not for yourself, but for the children and your grandchildren and the young people of Mobile, Alabama. You won't see the day, but they will. And the... The, the, the statistically, the time someone comes to know Christ is before they turn 16. That's why we have to be intentional about having an absolute, unbelievable children and teenage ministry at Luke 418. Statistics prove themselves. And we got 30 million people coming through in this generation that's less than 30 right now. 30 million. What you give to today and in the next months is this. As we make a difference, not just in Mobile, but globally, is this. 30 million. When they have children in 20 years, well, not even 20 years, in the next 15, this group that's, that's about 18 to 30 right now, and they're having children, you're talking about in less than 20 years, 60 or actually 90 million people. It 
It is a mass of humanity coming through America right now who doesn't know God. How we help them see God is what God demonstrated to us, and that is the sacrifice of self for someone else. So you love people through touch. You love them through encouraging words. You love them through maybe a gift. You love them through an act of service. You love them through time. It's about loving people. Demonstrating your love intentionally. So I ask the question as we close. How can you, how can I, demonstrate love more intentionally? We're doing it. The church collectively is doing it. But as Paul told Thessalonians, increase your love more and more. Maybe it's skipping a meal so you can give a meal to someone in need. Maybe it's caring for a baby in the nursery. Maybe it's loading on an airplane and leaving your family and flying to Russia to help those who are addicted to alcohol. Maybe it's cooking an extra meal at night and taking it down the street to the man who's lost his wife. Maybe it's stopping in Krispy Kreme donuts, buying a dozen and taking it to the widow to walk up to the door and she have tears in her eyes. And you go sit on the back porch of her home with her favorite snack and relive old memories. Everything I just said I know about that has occurred in the last few weeks through some people in this church. God's love is great. God's love is broad. God's love is unfathomable. And why he chooses to love God, love us through us is beyond understanding. Isn't it? Such imperfect people. Last night I was going through this and I prayed and I wrote it down even. I said, Lord, I said, I hope and pray. But in spite of my failings and in spite of my inability and in spite of my insufficiency at times, in spite of my sometimes zeroing in and not seeing what's around me, in spite of my 
A-type personality of just go. I say, Lord, I hope that people won't see me and say, boy, he can preach. Or he can't. Boy, he's a, sure, he's a great visionary. Well, he stinks at that. I said, Lord, I hope and pray that in spite of myself, that people would still know that I love them. I said, Lord, I, I pray that people would say and see, not judge or not think in terms of he can do this well, he can do that well, he can do this, he can do that, whatever. Isn't the greatest thing would be if, if people said, man, you know what? He's pretty good at some different things, but I'll tell you one thing. He loves people. It's the greatest compliment on the planet because it's the greatest gift on the planet. And all of us are imperfect, and no one here is going to get it right. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you in spite of you. There's some wonderful people that I'm looking at. And within our midst, this group right here, I'm telling you, this group right here, from the corner to the corner to the front, everybody here, if we would be intentional, more intentional, a little more intentional in demonstrating our love towards other people that we may know or we don't know, can you imagine? It revolutionizes Mobile. Changes a whole culture from hate to love. From discouragement to encouragement. From hopelessness to hope. And God's doing it through you. And I think God can do it even more than we are even right now. You all agree with me? How can God demonstrate his love to others intentionally through you? All we got to do is walk out here and do it. And we ask the Lord. We say, Father, you're the source. I know you love other people. Love through me as I go today.